you got to let it go because there's people around here that want to help you and want to be part of your life. And that's what helped me change to be a better leader. I went and bought a computer from Walmart, a laptop for 250 bucks, and then I had my phone, and that's all I had when I started. I still remember what he said. He goes, Brent, sometimes the best salespeople don't always make the best leaders. And I was pissed. If I take my issues with me when I walk into the door, it doesn't just affect me, it's gonna affect everybody around me. Today's episode is sponsored by InTouch, the simplest way to strengthen your relationships. You can't buy relationships, but with InTouch, you can invest in them. Download InTouch from the App Store or click the link in our description. The world is moving faster than it ever has before. Both challenges and opportunities flood our days with cortisol and dopamine. As the world around us changes, the core of our humanity remains constant. Minnesota Business serves to tell stories, share ideas, and form community. Let's get to it. So when I started, man, I, I'll kind of backtrack a little bit. I started my sales career at Lifetime Fitness. And the one thing, I guess my superpower, if you will, is I just worked really hard. I made a lot of phone calls and I, I just did. And I think that's what served me. But what happened from there <laughs> as the story goes, my ego got the best of me. So mm. I started chasing the title. Mm. So I went to Elk River to the YMCA as a sales manager, stayed there for about a year and a half. And then I went to Sprint as a district manager for about a year and a half. You see a pattern here. And then I got my MBA, went to Robert Half International for about two years. And I just kept chasing the next thing thinking, okay, that's how I'm going to make money or get better and that type of stuff. Well, I saw, you asked how I got into this. We used LinkedIn really predominantly at Robert Half. And when I came here, well, when I was there, I saw the job description, public speaking, training, coaching, development, all this type of stuff. And I'm like, that's what I wanted to be when I grew up, basically. Mm. So I reached out to who was my team leader or the person at the time and said, can you tell me more about that? Well, five, 10 interviews and all the stuff later. I went from having a really good income, probably, well, I mean, not great, 100 plus a year to zero. I went mm. straight commission. So I basically took the leap. To follow the dream really is what it was. And that's how I, I was, I was broke big time. So yeah. <laughs> so this is the, the original. Yeah. This is the, the, that's where this stemmed from is I, in I was living in a townhouse over in Plymouth and all I had was like a table and I had a, I went and bought a computer from Walmart, a laptop for 250 bucks. And then I had my phone and that's all I had when I started basically is all it was to start my business. And that's. I still have the table because like you, ha, huh, it's kind of weird to think about that. It's a reminder from where you've been. And I keep a lot of reminders around about where you've been so you don't forget, you know, that drives you because we all search for the why and why do we do what we do? And right. I, I don't ever want to go back to that place. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, man. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so from all those different sales positions, yeah. kind of just starting at the beginning, I guess, uh, how did that prepare you? What, what did you learn in those positions that prepared you to be successful as a coach? Oh, I can take each one of them because we do, I'll tell you both sides. We don't just do coaching. We do, we're practitioners first, coaches second. So I have to go out and make phone calls and talk to people and, and meetings and all this type of stuff too. And then coach high level people on the same side. So to answer your question, if I look at lifetime fitness, what that really taught me is something as, as simple as activity to make phone calls. Mm. The harder you work, the more people you call. And that's a comfort zone thing for a lot of people. What I see so many salespeople get held back from is they simply won't make phone calls. They will not pick up the phone and, and talk to people and go build their name. And that's all I did. At, at Lifetime is my boss came in one of my first days and put a big stack of papers on my desk and he said, call all these people. Well, that's all I knew. And then it started working. So it's that instant gratification of, okay, it's working. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And I held, that's part of what got me the job here is on my resume. 
that's why she reached out to me is because it said 75 dials a day, 100 dials a day, that type of thing. And something that simple showed her that I had the work ethic. Well, then you take the YMCA. And one, probably the biggest thing I learned there was towards the end when my executive director came in, his name's Lee, came in and, and sat down with me. And he goes, <laughs> I still remember what he said. He goes, Brent, sometimes the best salespeople don't always make the best leaders. And I was pissed. Like my ego got the best of me as who are you to say that to me? And I quit like the next day. I'm like, who? And that was straight up ego. But what that taught me here is when I became a leader here, because it's based off revenue, you become a team leader and build a team. We have a team about 25 people now. I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. So I needed to develop and read the books and all these different things, which essentially helped me with other things too. And then when I went to Sprint, it's kind of funny. That's what really made me want to be a coach because I had like seven stores in the cities. But I helped a lot of these younger, I'll call them kids. They're anywhere from 18 to probably 24-ish that didn't really have a path. They were working in a Sprint store for maybe 12, 13 bucks an hour at best and not really a, a college education or... They just didn't have anybody in their life to help guide them and develop them and teach them. And that that's where it clicked is in if I can help them, I there, there might be something to this, that type of thing. And then from there, just going to Robert Half, it also clicked in me that the reason I went there is because I wanted to recruit. I wanted to help people. And I know that sounds pretty cliche, but I just wanted to... I wanted to give people the opportunity that maybe somebody else wasn't giving them. And that's really what that, the different places. It's crazy to think about that now, just the difference in, in life, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What did you lack as a leader? (laughs) Uh, I would say everything. Um, I just, you don't know what you don't know. I was, so you have leader and you have sales person, I think at times salesperson is get out of my way. I'm going to go get it. I'm the A personality. Drop everything you're doing. Help me. All that type of stuff. That's the world I live in. And I still fight that at times because it's hard to not even having a large team. Now I have to put processes and, and things around reaching out to them and talking to them and helping them and listening to them. So it's I wasn't a good listener. Uh, I wasn't a good call you out on things Mm. person. So both sides of that. Uh, I didn't know how to set goals. I didn't know how to create a vision in people. I didn't know how to guide people and develop instead of just telling them what to do. I didn't have any of those traits. And it goes back to that's a lot of... I get asked a lot here when I do interviews, what's going to make me, and the reason I answer the question the way I do, because I think it's kind of talking to myself, kind of how we do it. Mm -hmm. What will hold you back? And I tell them it's you, it's your ego of you're going to have a tendency to push people away and think, you know, it all not in a bad way, but, and you don't let people in. And that's the thing that changed for me most is one of my Ron, one of my mentors and one of my best friends said to me when I was going through like family stuff and that kind of thing. And I said, I don't want to bother you by reaching out to you and talking to you. And he, he, he told me, whew, this one's tough. He told me, you got to let go. You got to let it go because there's people around here that want to help you and want to be part of your life. And that's what helped me change to be a better leader. And then reading a lot of books and developing and seeking it out being intentional about it i think instead of just thinking you know it all when he when he says no that was great when he said let it go or let go like you're trying to control everything always okay because i was i was so used to i was so used to if i make more phone calls i'm going to sell more stuff i'm going to make more money i can control that yeah If it's something with family or something with your team or you can't control that, you just have to 
help that as much as possible and, and live into it, if you will. And I just wasn't used to that. I didn't know that. It's weird to think about it now because you don't, again, it goes back to you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't know. I didn't know how to become successful. I didn't know how to let people in. I didn't know that if I read 20 books a year, my life's going to change. I didn't know it's going to help my marriage. I didn't know it would make me a better person, have better conversation. I just didn't know these things. I didn't grow up that way. So yeah, it was kind of happened over time, I guess. Wow. That way. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're, now you're both, you're a leader and yeah. you're still a practitioner, yeah. still selling. Yeah. Are you still making um, cold calls and doing For all sure. That? Really? I still wow. do it. Yeah. Because I can't ask you to do it if I'm not doing yeah. it. It's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. That I do a lot of, I always have time for activity because that's what makes the wheel go. That's what I think at times gives me my confidence. But if I'm talking to a team member or, or even a coaching client, they will see right through. I got told one time again, when I came here, I got told two things. This is the job you'll never be great at. You're always going to get better at. Mm. And that stuck with me because I think that's with anything. And I never looked at it that way. And then the other thing was, I realized that if you consistently do activity, how do you become a really good coach? You do the things that you're asking other people to do. Because when you work with high level producers that are making good money, they're going to know if you're just telling them to do it or if you're actually, because you have stories that things you've been through and things you've done, that type of thing. So, yeah. So with activity, like I'm a believer in activity too. Yeah. Like there, there's a certain amount of things you just, you kind of like luck happens when you like create enough activity. But like also there's low leverage activity and high leverage activity. And mm. I want like, how do you prioritize or differentiate between um the 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 level of you know or the the leverage that you could possibly be doing because you can make a day's worth of phone calls but is that the best use of your time or and and like i'm I'm not putting you on the spot about that that that's no i know what you're saying this is just an example like or versus because that's the leverage is one to one but then if you do a day's worth of something else writing, you know, now everybody can see what you write and now there's more leverage. But I'm because I've I've I asked this because I battled it too. Uh-huh. It's like, what activity should I be doing right now? Does it make sense for me to f- make phone calls? Maybe. But also maybe not. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I battle it too. And I think I don't think there's a right answer to that. That is probably one of the biggest things I battle with too. Cause over here, if I'm making phone calls, I feel like I'm doing the right thing. Hmm. Makes me feel good. No matter if they answer or not, or nobody talks to me all day, I put in the work. Yeah. I am digging ditches over here that I can see what I did. But if I, like I'm writing a book, hmm. if I take the time for an hour or two hours on a given day to do that, I don't really see anything from it. I have a newsletter. So if I do the newsletter, should I be doing that at 10 o'clock on a Friday morning? Or is that my time to make it's you have to give yourself permission to know that the other things that you're doing and the vision of it's going to pay off eventually. Mm. It may not be today. And you know what I'm talking about. It's not the busy being busy type stuff where we're just shuffling paperwork around. Like if we're looking up leads or whatever it is, there's a time to do that. I do that kind of stuff before eight o'clock or after five. That's mm. not at three twenty-two in the afternoon. That's my my income producing activity time. That type of thing. So, writing a book, newsletter, making phone calls, anything that's essentially going to drive revenue, is what I give myself permission. And that was hard. Mm. Like exactly what you're talking about. It's the battle of, am I doing the right things? Yeah. So, yeah. Um. Could we get just like a little sample of like a, a cold a cold calling class here? <laughs> just give us a little taste. Like what what is a typical a couple of questions, maybe two yep. questions. Go for it. One is um well what's your process? Because uh, yep. so I actually answer the the full question. Do you 
is the process okay i have a prospect i'm gonna call them five times or is it hey i'm gonna go through this list and call everybody once and if somebody shows interest or like or like what is your prospecting process and and also would you recommend that process to just anybody that's trying to get better at for sure so I call my process, if you will, there's no like straight answer, but I will call them at least six or seven times. I'm just that type of person. I, I live in this world, like even you look behind you and we, we have a word of the year a lot of times. So I've had focus, purpose, intentional last year was no one cares. Mm. Just because I that's why I put it right there in front of me. Because if I call somebody at, at 10, 20 in the morning, they don't care at 4.50 in the afternoon. Even if I've called them four or five times, they don't care. Hmm. So I'll call them at least six or seven. Then it's either a, a, if I have their cell phone, which typically do, I'll send them a text because I'm now I'm looking for that. No, hmm. I'm not looking. It sounds bad, but I'm not looking for them to say, Hey, come in. I want to sell you that type of thing. At that point, I've gotten to the point where I can no longer take time with that. I need to move on. So I, I don't want to hold on to this maybe or this false sense of hope that that person's going to do business with me. So then I'll email them as well. And they typically get back to me on stuff like that. Or mm-hmm. I let them go. I'll set them out six months or a year. I won't take them totally out, but that's where you backfill them with new people. Mm-hmm. So if I cold call, a lot of what I do is I'll, uh, I don't drop names, but I'll use names as in, hey, I saw you know Pete. How do you know Pete? I don't care if they know him or not. He'll say, I do or I don't. If they say, I do, I gotcha. Mm. Oh, how do you know him? Is it just through work? Is it through business? Is it through life? Like, how do you, how do you know Pete? Blah, 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 blah. How do you know Pete? Well, it's funny you asked that. I was, I know him over here from Southwestern sales training, coaching. And then I get into my spiel. Mm. If they say they don't know him. Oh, really? Well, I, I was in with him a couple weeks ago or I talked to him in the past you can look anybody up on LinkedIn. That's it. And then I just move into the spiel again as well. Mm. And I'm either going to move them to say yes, or I'm going to move them to say no. Mm. It's really what it comes down to. So I, uh, I was told once we have a, a summit in Nashville, mm. like you're talking about twice a year, that the reason one of our, one of our partners was sitting beside me. So I'm a partner here at Southwestern too, was sitting beside me. She said, the reason you're really good at, talking to people or making phone calls is because you take the emotion out of it. I don't mean the emotion while I'm on the phone. I mean the emotion of dialing the phone where, how do I explain this? It's, it's a thing that leads to an end. If I go for a run or if I go to the gym and I work out, I'm going to get in shape. If I don't, I'm not going to get in shape. It's logical. If I make phone calls, it's going to lead me to making money, living the life I want to live, freedom, uh, maybe the house, the car, the uh, stuff, right? We just want freedom is really what it comes down Mm -hmm. to. I don't want to, back when I was broke, I couldn't walk into a gas station. I remember Red Bulls back then cost $3.20 and I had to think, can I pay for that? Or can I feed my son? Because I was a single dad at the time. Mm. And that's what that brings me back to, that it's just a thing that I do. I don't know if that helps, but that's my mindset around calling or cold calling or warm calling, referrals, that type of thing. So so, yeah. so you don't take anything personally? No. No. Because, and I shouldn't, I, I've built that. That mm. didn't just happen. That's a... You, I, I do think you build that over time, but where does that come from? It comes from activity. It comes from doing the work. I know that if I call John Jones again at X time in the morning, he's either going to say yes or no, or maybe. Those are my three outcomes. If he says yes, awesome. We're going to be besties. We're going to be friends forever, that type of thing. If he says maybe, I'm going to call you a few times off those maybes if I get 10 of them. I'm probably going to get half to say yes eventually, just a matter of time, or I'll take them off the list. Or if they say no, I know that if I line 10 people up against the wall, there's going to be three to four of them that say yes, two or three of them that are on the fence, or two or three of them that always say no. Hmm. So be it. 
It just is. Now, do I still get nervous at times? Yeah, mm. for sure. I think that's just natural. If you don't, maybe you're kind of corny. I don't know. Mm. But I think everybody gets nervous when yeah. they're... But it's leaning into that as well. Because if you don't do that, you're not going to get to here. Is oh. all it is. So, yeah. It's connecting the dots, maybe. So, you, you mentioned you're a single dad struggling. I was, yeah. Um, was that, as you look back on it, like, how'd you get through that? Would you, like... What was that like compared to now? Oh, <laughs> night and day, I guess. Put it that way. It was, I mean, you've heard stories of people being broke and that kind of thing, but it was, I got divorced when he was two and pretty much raised him till he was about seven or eight. I mean, she wasn't, don't get me wrong. She was in the picture, that kind of thing, but she was going to, to college and then law school and that kind of thing. So a lot of it fell on me. And I was maybe, I had just started here and I was maybe making thousand, two thousand $2,000 a month at very best. So it was pretty, it was hard. There were sleepless nights. And what I mean by that is you're up in the middle of the night, stressed out, thinking about stuff, or you wake up early or you know how you pop open at times. Oh yeah. And you got to think about where you're going to eat. Can you have meat on the spaghetti? Should you just have a frozen pizza for $3? Like you, it's those types of things that you find the cheapest way to do it. But I knew, again, it sounds cliche, but I bet on myself. And I did it. He was another driving fact. Jack was the driving factor of you have a dream that you want to accomplish. You have things that you want to do with your life. I tell the story at times and, and other people have heard me, me tell this, but we went down to Lake city, Minnesota. He was about six years old at the time. And that's down by it's, it's down by Rochester, down by Lake Pepin on the big part of the Mississippi oh, yeah. river. Yeah. And there was a carnival in town that weekend. Cause they had Lake city days. It was water ski days really is what it was. And we went down Friday afternoon and this was, kind of right after I started here and in town, the carnival, we, we walked up to it that, that Saturday morning and I was anxious and uneasy. And we all know the carnivals. You have the, the roller coaster, the Ferris wheel, the small town, rickety old things, that mm -hmm. type of thing. And we were walking by this pitching game and Jack starts pleading with me, dad, can I, dad, can I play please dad? Ah, <sighs> And I remember looking at the sign right beside it. It said three balls, $5. And basically I had $23 to my name. And if you count the house up for short sale that we were living in, and I was driving to my brother's Ford truck, an old Ford Ranger rusted out. I didn't have a car. And I let him, I let him drive or I let him play the game. And we got home that weekend and I walked in, I didn't do anything. And I sat down at my desk because then it was downstairs and I sat there and I just, I started thinking about all the memories that I was taking from him. Hmm. And if you're listening to this, think about the things that you're doing that is, have you ever failed your kids? You ever failed your family? Have you ever failed yourself? And it's thinking about those things that I took out a post-it and just wrote on it. How does it feel? Because I think we just push those things away at times. And this time I didn't want to push it away. That's what got me into that position in the first place. And I never, like we talked about the table already and all the other stuff. I don't want to go back to that place ever. And that's, that's the change now is I consistently, I don't want to live in the darkness, right? Like I don't go back there all the time, but I know that if I don't do the things daily, if I don't walk down here, and I don't come into these doors. If I take my issues with me when I walk into the door, it doesn't just affect me. It's going to affect everybody around me. And maybe this is a long-winded answer to your question, but I don't know if you've ever read the fable, The Trouble Tree. Have you ever read that? No. So the, the adage of it is when you walk into your house, I, I use it as my office, but when this guy walks into his house, he takes off his hat, I believe, and he, and he hangs it on his tree right outside of his door because that's where he leaves all his stuff. Mm. And then when he goes into his house, it's his family and kids and all that kind of stuff. So when I walk in here, 
anything that's going on or anything that I don't, this is just, I just do. I just do because I know that when I do, it's going to create the life that I want to live. And if I don't do it, I'm going to go back to this place and not live the life that I want to live. And I don't want to be there. Mm. I just don't. So that's kind of the, I guess the difference now, all the lessons you learn, you can either learn, you can either learn them or you can do what many people do. It seems like is push them aside. And that's, you ask about leadership too. I see a lot of people let it in and I, I push it aside now, you know, that kind of thing. Cause I know it doesn't serve me. It doesn't mm. serve other people. So, yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Thanks for sharing that. Um, do you find, cause this is something that I battle myself cause I've been where you've been, uh, not yeah. necessarily the same story, but I've been broke. Mm. I've been waking up in the middle of the night thinking, just like anxiety, you know, yeah. it just feels like almost spiritual warfare. And it's just like, man, like everything you're doing, nothing's going to work. Give up. The, yeah, You know, you have all the voices in your yeah. head that are just like taking you down. And like a lot of times in those situations, I would just get up and I'd just start working. I was like, yeah. <laughs> screw yep. it. I'm going for it. It's like 3 a.m. I'm getting up. I'm going to start working because yep. I know action will kill anxiety. But, um, what I'm getting at with the question is, uh, do you find that it's more powerful or more useful, and maybe it's not an either or, but to be driven by never going back to the dark place or never going back to that broke feeling? Like, is that more motiv motivating or is it more motivating to envision a future that you really want? and be pulled forward it's like being pushed forward or pulled forward yeah. and how how would you think about that ah uh, first off good for you because that's that's what separates normal people from what i say top producers or high achievers is normal people will roll over a lot of times and not saying you have to get up at three o'clock every morning right? yeah. but they'll roll over and go back to bed People that have a dream and the will, and this is going with your question, we have a vision of what we want to create, what we want to do and where we want to go. I read a Tony Robbins book once. I think it's Unleash the whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. The Giant Within, what have you. And he talks about pushing and pulling. Hmm. And there's stuff that pushes us as in the past pushes me when I don't feel like doing things that might push. But there's also stuff that pulls us. And that's the vision of what we want to create. And we have to have a vision. That's something I didn't know when I came either or when I didn't let people in. I didn't know what a vision was. Hmm. But until you can see yourself, until you can see yourself in that, you're not going to get there. And I know that's not easy. Hmm. I get it. But it's like you building a business, what have you, I sit down every year at the end of the year and I think about the things I want a year, three years, five years, 10 years. Now I don't go really deep into, I go to the, the deep in the year, basically like, where do I, if I go out a year from now and I look back, what do I want to accomplish? Mm -hmm. What are the goals? What are the things I want to achieve? And then I take that and break it down to make it manageable. Like how much money do you want to make vacations, uh, time with the family, little things like putting the phone away or what have you, when you're spending time with, family and kids, but I wholeheartedly think you have to have both hmm. to answer your question. You have to have the thing over here because we all have a story. Every single person out there that has either started a business, wants to start a business, is scared to start a business, uh, is in sales, because uh, we all are, right? That kind of thing. Or just in any profession that you're in, I don't care if it's college or whatever, I remember sitting in the college in my first college, Mankato, and the lady in the room says, 80% of you aren't going to graduate. And I was like, watch me. Hmm. That pushed me. So little stories like that, we all have that. But then there's the things that pull us, and that's the vision you're talking about, is what it is. Hmm. So I hundred percent think you have to have both. Hmm. I agree. You mentioned a story. Stories are powerful. Yeah. Stories are very powerful. Um, 
how do you come up with stories as a both a speaker and I think story you can use stories in sales as well. Um, I'll go to the speaking. How do you integrate stories and like, and maybe this isn't very specific about our stories, time. but um, how do you resonate with a, a crowd full of people? I mean, it's easier to dial in with one person because you know, okay, this is what this person cares about. This is the type of person they are. Yeah. When you approach a speaking gig, how do you weave in your stories and how do you, um, I guess, what's your creative process? This is a meandering question, but yeah. how create a process to resonate with the most people that you can. So it goes back to the old adage of what do people buy on? Hmm. They buy an emotion, they back it up with logic. Hmm. That's old knowledge, what have you. Maybe you haven't heard it, but that's the premise behind it is what it is. People like to buy, they don't like to be sold. When you are developing stories, as you go through life, every single one of us, I would say every single one of us every single day has some sort of story, if you will. Like this right here, we had the chance to meet through Troy and then we had a conversation and then you reached out and now we, we get to like, that's a story to me. I could tell that how your perseverance and who you are as a person and getting to meet you, that's the type of person that you see won't let go. They won't quit. They, they have something in them that says, I want to achieve and I want to do something. That's a story. Hmm. And how many times have you, like you said, you go back to what you talked about being broke and, and struggling and getting up at three o'clock in the morning People, when you tell that, they lean up in their chair a little bit and listen to it. But it's also the way you tell it. It's slowing down. <laughs> we can give you technical parts, I guess. Yeah, when you yeah. slow down no, a little bit it. and you yeah. talk a little softer, people mm. lean in. Mm. When you talk a little faster and you're like, man, and then I got up and I got up three o'clock in the morning. I had to make a lot of phone. People get energized and they're in it and that type of thing. Mm. That's the nuances around telling stories. And it's... Man, I even heard something randomly on Instagram the other day. Exactly what you're talking about is we how to keep track of stories. So it's simple as open up your phone and in the notes, just put story bank. Mm. And you can just list all the stories that you've had. Like mm. think back into your life. And this is what I did when I started writing the book. I literally just mind mapped. I went back into... When I was a kid, so when I grew up, I had a paper out from the time I was eight till the time I was 18. How many kids do that? So that's a story of work ethic. And then you think about sports and you think about not being very good at grades in high school because your mind's always going. And then you think about you always worked hard. It's all these different things. If you sat down and just went through high school and, and if you went to college or after college and just your years through life, you have those things that have developed who you are as a person and 99% of that room, whether you're talking to three people or you're talking to 3,000 or 30,000, they're going to resonate with that. Mm. That's because we've all been through stuff like that. Mm. People want to latch onto those things and know that if you can do it, that dude's no different than I am. I can do it, you know, that type of thing. So, What's the book about? That, that perseverance. Perseverance. Yeah, that's literally what it is. It's about things that... I don't want this to sound bad, but things that we look at other people and at times think they're gifted or they're different than we are. And we all know those people that maybe they are. They're, they've been given this or they've been given that or they've worked really hard or gotten through things. Like even when I came to Southwestern, we run workshops and I, I went 22 workshops in nine months without selling anything in a workshop and kept persevering through it. Hmm. So you talk about sucking at sales that was <laughs> it was brutal mm. but it's the perseverance of going through that and sticking with it and continuing to practice and developing yourself and putting the work in and all these different things and just trusting that it's going to pay off eventually and that's a lot of what it's about is just different things like that that people can latch on to whether it, and it's not just me it's friends and family and my brother running a half marathon that he trained for that he hadn't ran for 20 years and mm. watching him get off the couch and puking and but then he would i mean story about him we asked him to do it he said no it was in sioux falls 
And so he's older than me. He's 50. And I asked him to do it and he, he pushed me off, pushed me off. And then finally I asked him again. He said, no. Well, he started training for it and then his back hurts and his knees hurt and his whole body hurts. And he joined this boot camp and he's puking his guts out, but he kept doing it. And I, ah, you're getting me on some of these. I ran with him the whole time. Hmm. And the power of running for me, the power of getting to run a half marathon with my older brother and just sticking by him the whole time and watching him do it in under two hours as well. Cause that was his goal and pushing him through those last couple miles, just being there for him. That's things you never forget. Like that's a story, you know, that type of stuff. It's just life. Yeah. I guess. But people latch onto that because if he can do it, why can't Jane or John get off the couch and do it? Same thing. Mm-hmm. Just gives people that. And he persevered. That's what he did. So, yeah. Man, I'm fired up. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, isn't you it? You know, as, you, as you're saying <laughs> this, it's, it's um, what I'm thinking of is like we have the power. Okay, we have stories of our past but we can write our future story and you can write i don't think i've ever thought about this very specifically but you can write a very specific future story too it's not like oh i'm gonna live in a mansion and drive this car and have you know and have this you know this many kids like that's pretty broad and that's maybe a, a larger vision but you can you can have like a very specific story that you you uh you manifest through just like oh hands down through do you do you have a practice of like writing i don't know visualization or manifestation or prayer um i don't know anything like that that helps you clarify your vision or gives you gives you fuel i do that's kind of the thing i do at the beginning of every year or the end of the year into the beginning of the year so i don't do it I should retract. I don't do it at the beginning of the year because I feel like I'm already behind if I do that. And I feel like so many of us write down our goals and vision after the first of the year, we're working on it. Do it at the end of now. I'm not saying don't do it right now. If you haven't done it, do it, put it that way. But I encourage you to do it at the end of the year. And I do, I I take a whole day and I plan. Hmm. I plan my next year. Where's my business going to come from? What kind of money do I want to make? How Hmm. am I going to do that? Whether it's speaking, training, coaching, workshops, whatever it is, those types of things within my business, where's that going to come from and how am I going to manifest it over? Is it always perfect? No, it's, I, I think we live in the world at times where we hear things like this and we think, oh, that guy knows what he's, I had to figure it out. I literally sat down once because I had a coach that said, Take a planning day. Where's your business going to come from? I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. Mm-hmm. But you take that time and you kind of just Google it or figure stuff out and then you add to it. And i that's really my process. And then every day, so I'll put things on my calendar, whether it's making videos or, or tracking or using our CRM or whatever it is that I have systems around and it's developed over time. Mm. It's not something that happens overnight. And it's asking people for help or what they do and that type of thing and things that resonate with you where because you, your goals are different than mine, things that you want to achieve. And it leads into the house and the car and the, you know, that kind of stuff. It's funny. You talk about, <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, kind of a funny story. My, my dream car, if you will, was a Chevy Tahoe. Like that's what I always wanted. It's just, I don't nice. know why yeah. I'm from a small town, little town of 400 people. And I just loved them. And it was about... Gosh, it's probably been, when I came here, I was about a year in and I told my team leader, I said, I want a Chevy Tahoe. She told me, go drive one. Mm. I was like, why? She goes, well, then you'll see yourself in it. Mm. Now you're there. You want to know how it feels, what it is, how it works. So if you want to buy a big house, go drive by the biggest house or walk up to it. I mean, don't be, you know what I'm saying? Walk up to it and look at it. Or see yourself in it. Or if you want to take a vacation, hang that up on your wall. And the more you see it every day, the more you're going to live into it. Well, Jenny and I got together about four years, five years ago now. And I was about a year with her. And my I had a key at the time. It was, and it was starting to break down on me. And I, I started looking up Tahoe's. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, she's like, go buy it. Just go buy the one you want. It was a red one. 
Well, I looked in the drawer. It must have been six months after I bought it. And I had my vision board pictures in my drawer from a past vision board. Guess what was on the damn vision board? Red top. Red Chevy top. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Right. Like she always wanted to live in a, uh, uh, she's from New York and then, well, she lived in Philadelphia and then New York and moved here. And her dream home was a, uh, a craftsman style house. It was on her vision board. Mm. Well, what do we live in? Mm. A blue craftsman style. So I'm a wholehearted believer that to make a vision board. And all I mean by that is think about the things that you want to do. You want to go things you want to create something you want to be, whatever it is, print those pictures out and put them on a tag board, go to target or Michael's or whatever the heck it is and put it on there and watch what happens because then yeah. you're looking at it every day, mm. all the time. That's why I have so much stuff in here. Cause it's things I want to do. Yeah. I want to go and be so yeah, that's my process, I guess. Uh, I want to touch on. Let's see what time is. Do, we, do you got a couple more minutes? Yeah, okay. Ahead. Yeah. Um, with coaching and what what patterns have you seen that people need the most help with? With because uh, you you work with a lot of high yep. performing leaders and people. It's like, are there any patterns? And if there are, what what could you share that would just help the average listener maybe not feel alone or like they're unique? And maybe any tools or tips to. Uh, help them take a step forward <sighs> biggest pattern I see or biggest thing I see. And this isn't sales or business related. We all have stuff. We all have stuff that it, no day is ever, well, I shouldn't say that there are days that you feel like doing something more than other days. You just did there where you're more, more like you asked me when we walked in about how's your first week, that kind of, well, January you're after it, man. But eventually February, 20 seconds going to come along and it's going to be gloomy and you're not going to, we all have stuff. It's how you get through that when you don't feel like doing something. And that's what holds, I think, I don't want to say average, average producers or people that can't get over the hump is they won't do things on the day. They don't feel like it. Hmm. They let that emotion get between their ears and they think about what if, what if, what if, what if. It goes out to the vision too, or the goals. If you take what if out of the equation, it doesn't matter anymore. And that's what I see a lot of what higher level producers do differently than others is they create the consistency that they're going to do something, whether they like it or not, doesn't matter. And then the other thing that I see people really need help with is when you get to a point we all need somebody to hold us accountable and hold us to the things that we said we were going to do. Mm. We're going to let ourselves off the hook. There's a reason why New Year's resolutions don't work for the most part. Because by the second, third, fourth week, you're sore and you're tired and you're whatever. You don't feel like doing something. Top people push through that because they know this down here is the payoff instead of letting yourself off the hook down here. And that's what I see. I could pinpoint it to activity and work ethic and all that stuff, but I'm a true believer that you're not born with work ethic. It is a consistent thing that you create over time. It is a habit of what you do. Mm. That helps. You talked about going back a little bit to the trouble tree. Yep. Okay. As, as I think higher performers, like our minds are always going for me. I'll get an idea. I'll, I'll have a breakthrough in the middle of something non-related to the task. Yep. And I'm hesitant to have such clear containers or um, compartmentalize my work and my life or my personal life because sometimes during my personal life, I'll get the breakthrough for work. And if I compartmentalize, now I'm losing out on a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's true or not, but okay, this is a problem that I have. At sure. least it's a limiting belief. And um, with some, someone like yourself who, I'm not sure, how many kids do you have? Three. You got three kids, yeah. you got a wife, you know, a dog or a cat or something. <laughs> you know, you got, you got a full house. <laughs> it's like, how do you how do you manage that? So, because I'm, you know, I just got married a couple of months ago. Okay. And then now we're thinking about, you know, it's kids in happen. the future. Yep. Um, 
And I'm just like trying to wrap my head. I'm starting, I'm trying to prepare myself, you know, because I want to be a present father or present husband. But man, my, my mind is always kind of like under, like the undertone is thinking about what I'm going to do next with work. Okay. So here is what I have developed over time because I used to really struggle with that. Like I want to work. I got to work. I got to build this. I got to do this. Tell you my schedule. Okay. I wake up at five every morning. I'm, I'm, I've created this over time again. Just, I don't want people to think this guy's a damn robot, that type of, that it's, it's not always perfect by any means, but 99.9% of the time I get up at five o'clock, I do my workout. I either go outside and I run for four to five miles, just depending on, I have this rule. If it's under 30 degrees, I do four miles. If it's above, I'll do five miles mm -hmm. basically, unless I'm training for a race or something. I'm done at about six or I'll do P90X down here in our basement. So I have that. I used to go to Lifetime. From there, I'm done at six. I eat my breakfast. I eat oatmeal every day. That's like my breakfast with grapes in it because I have a sweet tooth. I'm done by that. That's when I do my emails, my my things that I need to get back to people. And I'll, I'll come back to that in a bit. But that's my Brent time, if you will. That's my time. Nobody's up. Nobody's in it. I'm not taken away from anybody else's time. It's 6.30, shower. Then we get our, our son up at seven. I hang out with him and my wife till about 7.30, 7.35. She takes him to school unless she asks me to. She likes to. And then I'm down here. And then by 7.59, I've adopted this rule. I'm in my desk and I'm ready to go. I might have my first coaching call. It might be making phone calls. It might be a train, whatever it is. At 7.59, I am. I have my calendar planned that I know what I'm going to do. Because if you have white space on your calendar, you think, what should I do? If I come like what you're talking about, if you come up with an idea or you're thinking I need to do this or should do this, I send myself an email hmm. because then I can remember it later. It sits in my inbox until I either do it or I minimize it as well. If there's something that I need to get done. So let's say we have a coaching call and I need to send you a follow-up. I do that at the end of the day because I minimize it. And I leave it down there. That's my reminder that I got to do it eventually. Mm. That's all it is. Or I do it at Brent time in the morning. Noon to one, I always give myself a break. Always. I just, I eat, I, I veg, I, I just, because I think you need time at times. Back at it one o'clock till about five, five oh five. I journal every day at um, 4.58 till about, I only, I only do it for about five minutes, six minutes, which is, sounds really, I don't know crazy, but I get enough out from there that I just want to journal about my day and the night before that's mm. it. So I do that at the end of every day. And then by five 15, I'm upstairs and hanging out with my family. And that's that that's family time because I know that anything that I have that comes into my email or things I need to do, but I'm so efficient during the day. I don't want to do things at night because I don't want to take away if I have a baby or if I have a wife, I don't want to take away from them. Plus, I know I have that time in the morning. I don't know if that helps, but that's it that's does. how I free my mind that I don't have to worry about it then. Mm. I don't have to think about the stuff that I should have done because I've either already done it or I have a plan when I'm going to do it. Now, what happens if you, if you feel like you're behind and, you know... If you get overwhelmed or don't have time to do it? it like, for me, it's like, okay, I have three edits that I need to get going. Like, I just... And they, they're all due. Like, I got... I got to work late, you know? Okay. Yep. Do you, do you have the ability at times that's going to happen? Okay. I'm not going to say never, right? Okay. That kind of thing. At yeah. times I might travel and I might be in a hotel or I might have to log on at, at eight 30 or something like that. When the kids go to bed and that type of thing, I might have to finish stuff up. Okay. That's natural. So this is a rule of thumb. There's, yes. there's exceptions. There's no perfect. Gotcha. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Hands down, good. there's exceptions. We all have it. We all get busy at some point, especially when you're running your own thing too. So I like what you said about the journaling. Um, yeah. Do you have a framework for that or is it just free form? Free form. Just started doing it. Hmm. I've heard so much about journaling, that kind of thing that I just bought. I went on Amazon and bought a big old notebook is all it was with a hardcover. And hmm. I've just started to write things down hmm. is all it is and it's just it's about how work went it's about my kids it's about jenny and our relationship um 
something I might want to do tomorrow, things I might need to do. And it's funny when you focus for five to seven minutes, the amount of stuff you can write down in that moment or get out of your head. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. But then I can also leave it in here instead of having to worry about stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. It's crazy. I love that. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this is my my little thing. My my. This is a rocket <laughs> yeah. book. It's a erasable it. thing. But yeah, that's all you gotta do. Something um, like that. What's uh? What didn't I ask that uh, you want to share? Man, you asked some really good questions. I don't know. Um, the one thing I would say is, again, none of us. I think doing this for eleven years. I wish people could see the amount of trials and tribulations and struggles and hard times. And, but then the flip side, the, the great things that come with it and the power of it and the person you become over time, because you get through a lot of the things that are really hard. And many times I feel like people see who you are now instead of the path that you were before. And only we know that only, you know, who you, you know what I mean? Like what you've gone through and what Mm -hmm. goes on up here. And if I could give anything back, I know it sounds cliche to say, don't quit. If you have something you want to create and develop and do just keep doing it. I don't care if it's five minutes, like we're develop like I like I talked about the newsletter I had no clue how to do a newsletter and it's been brutal or like a lead magnet I had no clue how to do that those types of things and it's you just keep doing it and all I mean was maybe five minutes here or half hour here or you plan an hour here keep doing it I don't know how else to say it just it, working out go out and walk a block and walk back walk two blocks and walk back, run a block, walk two, walk. Eventually you're going to build up and you're going to look back and go, wow, look what I've done. Instead of, I wish I would have, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing I would leave people with, I guess, put it that way. It helps. Yeah. Brent, thanks for doing this. Yeah, man. Thank you. That's, this has been really good. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, dude. You bet. Yeah. Love it. (laughs) 